Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 1 through 53. Then the high priest asked him, are these changes, are these charges true? To this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even a foot of ground. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way, Your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. God said, And afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because, of the patri because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our fathers died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. Then another king, who knew nothing about Joseph, became ruler of Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. And at that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for in his father's house. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. 
After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to look more closely, he heard the Lord's voice. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses whom they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and did wonders and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the desert with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, and he receiving living words to pass on to us. But our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and held a celebration in honor of what their hands had made. But God turned away and gave them over to the worship of the heavenly bodies. This agrees with, with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the desert, O house of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of Molech and the star of your god Rephan, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon." Our forefathers had the tabernacle of the testimony with them in the desert. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. Having received the tabernacle, our fathers under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by men. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him, you who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated and give Margaret a hand. Wow. That's a lot of scripture to read. Uh, and so let me set that up for you. And Kelly, let me tell you that you can just pull the slides. So I'm going completely off of 8 a.m. So this is a different sermon. Um, and, uh, um, and, and if you were here at 8 o'clock um, and you're watching, so you get two sermons today. But um, 
let me set this up for you. So what's happening is Stephen, who is a deacon in the early church, is on trial. And he is brought in because of his preaching about one man, and that one man's name is Jesus Christ. And so Stephen is brought in. He is uh, standing in front of the most powerful court that exists in Israel. It's called the Sanhedrin uh, court. It, it is comprised of all men. They are very powerful. Uh, they are religious leaders who also wield remarkable political power. And so these religious leaders are remarkably politically powerful, and they all now are gathered to listen to Stephen. This is early in the church, uh, year-wise, uh, somewhere after five years, the church is just a little over five years old. So it's after five years in the church that this happens. And here we have uh, Stephen, this deacon, who is standing in front of this council. And as he is standing in front of this council, he, he deals with or confronts three very important realities to them, and I would contend to you uh, that they contend that they are also three important realities to us, and I want you to understand this this morning. Uh, we uh, attach a lot of importance. So write these three things down if you're taking notes. Since nothing will be on the screen this morning, we attach a lot of importance to three uh, uh, segments of our lives, and they are people, place, and power. People, place, and power. And Stephen stands in front of the most powerful people in his world. Now, they are under Rome, but, but, uh, but he stands in front of the most powerful people in his world, and he directly confronts people, place, and power. So let's talk about the people, then let's talk about the place, and then let's talk about the power. The people the place, and the power. So if you grow up in Israel and you are trained from the moment that you are a child, there are some key people that you are taught about. These people become your heroes. They become the people to whom you look. They become the people that you long to emulate. You study them. You know them because they are your personal and they are the national heroes of the day. Who are they? Abraham. Father Abraham. How many of you grew up singing that song, right? Father Abraham have what? Many sons. Isn't that crazy? Those little things get stuck in our head. And many sons had. And I am. And. And so let's just. Da, 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 da. All right, so you grew up singing that, didn't you? Uh, and we're not Israelites. So if we grew up singing that and you and I are not Israelites, how much more was Father Abraham so important to them? Why was he so important? As Margaret has wonderfully read, he was called out of Mesopotamia, not a believer when he was called out, and he left. And he left the comforts of home, and he went up and, and north, and it 
Haran. Uh, there was a death. That did not deter him. He travels south. He settles in a land he's never seen, and it's not the Fertile Crescent. And God makes a promise to him that he's going to have kids and grandkids, and he doesn't have kids and grandkids for a long, long time. He, he doesn't. As a matter of fact, he's 100 when Isaac is born, but he obeyed, and he has Isaac circumcised as God told him to do, and then there's Jacob, and, and, and then there's Joseph. So Joseph is the second person. Why does Joseph matter so much? Because uh, uh, Joseph's brothers became jealous of him. They sell him into slavery into Egypt. He goes to work in Potiphar's house. He's falsely accused. He's elevated uh, or goes to prison. He is elevated in the prison. He's a great guy. He's, he has God's hand all over him in prison. And here's Joseph in prison with God's hand all over him. He interprets a couple dreams. He gets to come out of prison and he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. This Hebrew in a foreign land becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And there is a famine and they save food for years, seven years. And Joseph's family back over in that promised land that God told Abraham about comes to Egypt because they hear there's food down there. They don't know that Joseph is their brother. He conceals himself. The brothers come. They ask for food. And it is Joseph who saves Israel, who saves his people from dying. He's a hero. You've got Abraham, you've got Joseph, he's a hero. We're going to look up to him, we're going to admire him. Why? He is a remarkable person in Israelite history. But then, Pharaoh dies, Joseph dies, new Pharaoh comes in, he does not look on the people favorably, and he enslaves them for 400 years. So for 400 years, Israel is in Egypt enslaved, and there's a man born. And he's born during a time when it is not good for a man to be born because when that man is born, the Pharaoh is said, because the Israelites are growing so profoundly, we are going to make sure all the baby boys are killed. But Joseph's mother decides to hide him. And when she can hide him no longer, she puts him out in the Nile. But the sister stands watch, and Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe, and she uh, hears the cry of Moses. And when she hears the cry of Moses, she uh, draws him out of the water. Uh, Moses' sister runs over and says, you need somebody to take care of him? Yes, of course she does. Somebody's got to feed him. Well, who better to feed him than somebody who just had a baby three months ago? Right, so, uh, so she goes and gets her mom, and her mom takes care of Moses until he is weaned, and then she sends him into Pharaoh's house. And there he grows up in privilege, but he deep down knows he is a Hebrew. He knows he's not an Egyptian, and one day he is out, and he sees his people being mistreated. And when he does, what does he do? He takes matters into his own hands, and he murders somebody, Moses who is described by Stephen as being beautiful in the sight of God, murders someone. 
The next day, he's out, and he sees two of his own fighting. He tries to step in. They look at him, and they say, who are you? Who are you to step in? Who do you think you are to step in when we know what you did? And so he flees. He goes to Midian, and he becomes a shepherd for 40 years. At the age of 80, he is out taking care of his sheep, just doing his job. Just, just He's doing his job. And there's a bush that catches on fire, but it never burns up. And God speaks to him and calls him back into Egypt. He goes back into Egypt. There are amazing signs, wonders, miracles. And Moses, this reluctant leader who has a speech impediment uh, and says, I can't even speak. How is it that you're calling me out? Leads them out of Egypt to cross the Red Sea. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That's Moses. Those are three remarkably important people if you are an Israelite. Moses, Joseph, Abraham, and Stephen steps into that Sanhedrin and they trace their lineage back to every one of them and looks at them and said, do you remember that Jewish man who walked, was homeless, fed a lot of people, taught a lot, the one you crucified, he's better than Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. You may as well walk into a room full of distinguished veterans and tout Saddam Hussein over them. This was that radical. So he, he goes for their most important people, but secondly, he goes for their most important place. Look at verse 44 of what Margaret read, our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness. No tabernacle, so it was a tent. Just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern he had seen, our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua, so this tent they took with them. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. They knew that. They're within earshot of the temple, if not in the temple itself. This temple was massive. It was their Mecca. It was their go-to place. And what does, what does Stephen say? Verse 48, yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. And he quotes one of their prophets Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Uh, Stephen looks at this distinguished group of educated Jews, this distinguished group of 
uneducated, religious, devout men. And he says, listen, this Jesus whom you crucified is better than Abraham. He's better than Joseph. He's better than Moses. He's better than your favorite people. And this Jesus whom you crucified is better than that temple. That massive temple. They, every thought of any sense of belonging and place and people is being unraveled. But he didn't stop there. People, place, look at verse 51. Whoa, you, he says to them, stiff-necked people. Anybody ever woken up with a stiff neck? It ain't fun. What is a stiff-necked person? One who will not turn to one side or the other. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Uh, He looks at this sign of the covenant that they have of circumcision, which makes them distinctly Jewish. And he says, you may have followed through with that, but your heart is hard. It is not cut. It is not tender. Uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. He looks at them and calls them murderers. You are betrayers and you are murderers. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. He goes for their people and they're his too. Their place and it's his too. And third, their power. Their power. He says, you exercised power, and your fathers did, and they used their power to persecute the prophets, and you used your power to kill the Son of God. Wow. I am here this morning. to simply take a speech that is the inspired word of God and to ask you some questions as we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Who are the people in your life that matter more than God? I'll I'll speak kind of from here up. Teenagers can often become a dating relationship. 
or you feel you can't make it without that person. And then we'll just continue. Single person in this room, same. Parents, this can become our children. This, this can become spouses. There's a book sitting on my shelf with a simple title, When People Are Big and God Is Small. Are there people in your life bigger than God? There are certain things you'd never do, but when you're with them, you'll do them. You don't say those things until you're with them and you say them. Place, probably for, for us, it's not near as big. In the South, church buildings take on a whole life of their own. They do. They become associated with grandma who paid money to do this and had chickens who raised eggs and turned the money in and put that stained glass window on row three. And, and so that building takes on a life of its own if you've ever been around church in the South. Buildings can become rather big. So since that's probably not us, I mean, after all, it, it, it's concrete and folding chairs. And we're thrilled that after 20 years, we might have some pavement. So since that's probably not us, what is? For some of you, perhaps, in 2020, your, 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 your place is, is no longer. Uh, your place, perhaps, is... Uh, is a ball team that, that isn't playing. Or maybe it's a sport that you play that you just couldn't play this round and God has revealed that it's bigger than him. Maybe, maybe your place is, uh, is oddly enough a, some eating place and you couldn't go to it and for some reason, that wrecked your world. Um, theirs was the temple. That, that was it. Um, power. There's a grab for power in our country today. It's real. There is the false assertion that whoever has the most power is going to win. But there's an old, old saying that says absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And it does. Perhaps you sit here and if, if a certain candidate wins, life is just good for you. And if a certain candidate doesn't, it isn't. Our whole country lives like this now. I would ask you 
Does your candidate matter more to you than Jesus? I would say if, if we had half as many signs about Jesus as we did about candidates, the whole country would be saved by now, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be pretty, pretty amazing. Wendy and I were on a walk in town recently, and we walked by a vehicle. I didn't know these things existed, but they had a, the profile of their presidential candidate, and it was on the back window, and it looked like he was sitting in the back seat of their car. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that, but that's pretty cool. I don't plan to do it with the presidential candidate, but there are other people. I'm going to order those and just like, yeah, they're with me today. There they are. Um, I think the question for us from Acts 7 is, is Jesus enough? You say, why? Because um, we tend to look on him with a lot more luster and glamour than he really had. If you're here this morning and you're going to take the cup in front of you and you're going to eat that wafer and drink that juice, and you should only do that if he is your Lord and Savior, then you are saying, I identify with a man who was born where animals sleep. I'm in for a man who grew up in a cave, who himself said the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man himself doesn't even have a place to lay his head. This is, this is who you're saying I'm in for. You are saying I believe and I put all my eggs in the basket of one who traveled as an itinerant evangelist, who walked everywhere he went and did not enjoy the modern conveniences of plumbing, electricity, motorized vehicles. That's my king. That's what you're saying. That's my king. A few years ago, or many years ago, I was mentored for a year, much needed early in my time here, by Dr. Mark Quartz. Dr. Quartz pastored Calvary Baptist in Winston, a church that when he got there had a few hundred, and by the time he had retired for health reasons, had about 6,000. He had a remarkably blessed ministry. Dr. Quartz never mentioned this, but I think it was around the time of his retirement that the Winston-Salem Journal did an article on him and his family. He had a brother named John Quartz, who at the time was the president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. He had a brother named Paul Quartz, who at the time was the Assistant Attorney General of the United States, former president of Wingate University, former president of Palm Beach Atlantic. 
He had another brother, Thomas Quartz, who at the time was president of Samford University, former vice president of Georgetown University, and also former president of Wingen. He had a sister, Dr. Naomi White, who was a professor. And he had a brother who was homeless. Homeless. In that article, they described how they all tried to find the homeless brother to no avail. And he died on the streets and they were notified by the authorities that their homeless brother had died. Lest you think if Jesus were living today, he would be the pastor of the megachurch or the president of Sanford or Palm Beach Atlantic or Wingate or the vice president of Georgetown or the president of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association or a professor. No, he was homeless. the homeless one went without his home so that he could make your heart his home. This song is all about that. If you've never trusted him as your savior, if you're watching online, if you're in this room, oh, today is the day of salvation.